Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of the Old Dog Soapbox Podcast with your host, Norman Goodman. Hope everyone is doing well in this crazy world. Uh, happy Cinco de Mayo. It is Friday, and I hope everyone is having a great time eating a lot of Mexican food. And um, and I hope everything is going well. I mean, in this turbulent uh, world that we're in, especially in the West. The West right now is <laughs> it's, it's just... I, mean, I don't know, you know, only thing I can say about, about the West, the United States, Britain, France, I mean, just NATO, the UN, the WHO, I mean, just, you know, sometimes, you know, I look at stuff in this world, man, and sometimes it's just, it's so much noise, so much stuff going on, so many things they talk about, it, it, everything's a distraction, you know, everybody's talking about Tucker Carlson at at Fox and 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 uh, Don Lemon at CNN and you know all this craziness and and the Fed and what the Fed's gonna do next and to me all of that's just noise. All of it's noise. It's so much, uh, so many other things to think about and talk about that people just aren't talking about at all. And um, you know, I know it's been a while since I've talked to you guys. And you know what? We're just gonna have fun tonight. I'm just gonna. I'm going to probably go all over, you know, so uh, bear with me, be patient. I'm going to read some stuff and talk about things that's been on my mind and uh, some things that I might step on some toes. You know me, I don't mind stepping on toes. Some people are going to agree or disagree or going to be indifferent to it. But you know me, I don't really care about that too much. Um, but I, my perspective, when I look at the world, I'm going to give you my perspective on a lot of stuff. And then some stuff I'm going to give you, which I feel like are facts that I've, I've looked up and researched and I could be wrong. You know, I could be, look, I could, you know, perceive things the wrong way. I could be looking at things the wrong way. You know, um, again, this is a journey. This is a journey for me. I hope it's a journey for you. Um, I hope that, uh, you find value in this. I hope we can learn together and keep digging. My, my thing is to just, um, you know, give you some nuggets, uh, get you to thinking independently, not be part of a collective or part of a crowd. Remember, you know, what I said before with, with Malo, uh, he said, you know, larger the crowd, the, uh, the lesser intellect, you know, um, you know, and I, and I heard, I'm not sure if it's Rousseau that said this, but he said that, uh, uh, men are born free, but everywhere we are in chains, you know, and that, and that is exactly, uh, what I see. You know, when we were born in this world, uh, we were born free. But but once we hit the ground, we were actually fettered. We were, we were put in chains and we were we were put under servitude. Um, and I don't think a lot of people realize that. You know, when I look at a lot of people, they just kind of zombies. You know, they they they, they glaze over in their eyes and just going through the motion. And uh, that's what I see in the world today. But we know what we're gonna have fun. You know what I came across. The uh, Zambia Constitution, which I find fantastic because uh, I'm going to read you the first part of that, which is going to stand out. Because one thing I've noticed, and kudos to the African nation and countries, uh, Uganda, uh, you know, all these, I mean, just these guys are just standing up to the West and saying, no, we're not going to... Um, we're not down with the LGBTQIA++ trans thing. We're just not going to do it. I mean, they put legislation in and, and that they said, no, they're not going to do it. And I, and I think I talked about that before. But Zambia, 
it, it's a very young independent country i think they got their independence in the late 90s i think and very young and um in their constitution i found it it, it was amazing because the west is not doing this the west is secular all our churches are secular we're just secular all over the place we just serve we, we're serving the enemy all day but zambia the this country in their constitution the first line of it is absolutely be beautiful it's their preamble in their preamble they say okay we the people of zambia acknowledge acknowledge the uh, supremacy of god almighty declare the republic a christian nation while upholding a person's right to freedom of conscience belief or religion uphold the human rights and fundamental freedoms of every person commit ourselves to upholding the principles of democracy and good government resolve to ensure that our values relating to family morality patriotism and justice are maintained and all functions of the state are performed in our common interests confirm the equal worth of women and men and their right to freely participate in uh, determine in determine and build a sustainable political legal economic and social order the first thing they said that we recognize acknowledge the supremacy of god almighty this republic is a is a christian nation so the chances that these guys are going to usher, going to allow the LGBTQIA and trans in Zambia is zero. Because these guys say we are Christians and we follow the Christian faith. And, and the Bible says a man should not lay with a woman, lay with a man as he lays with a woman. Absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And the African nation is pushing back on the West and saying, we're not going to do what you guys do. If you guys want to do that, knock yourselves out. If not, it, but, but, but leave us alone. And I thought that was fantastic. I was like, I, I mean, when I read it, I, I was like, oh my, I mean, I was just, you can't do anything but praise God in that respect. That's all you can do. Because somebody, people somewhere on this planet believe in the family, the structure of the family, the man and the woman, and there's no compromise. In the West, we have compromised everything. Our churches are very secular. Okay, very secular. My wife and I, we had gone to church um, recently because my dad, um, he's going through a bout with cancer. Uh, he has uh, pancreatic cancer, which is spread to the liver and the spleen and in his lungs and He's not doing well, and we, we don't expect him to last long. But anyway, he's from Jamaica, and he, they had a Caribbean, he had a Caribbean uh, celebration at the church, and he wanted us to come. And so I promised I was going to go, because I've said to you before, I'm not a church goer. Um, I don't have any confidence or any faith in any of the churches here in the Western world. They're all secular. Uh, they don't speak uh, from the Bible. They don't, you know, they're not, they're not really standing on God's words. They're, they're really not. Uh, they're all they're all secular. Uh, they got a lot of false teaching in the churches, and so we went 
to the church. We went to the 11 o'clock service. Uh, the pastor didn't even recognize me. He hadn't seen me since I was very young. And uh, he was very surprised to see me. Um, and he touched on some things a little bit about the LGBTQIA, the trans thing about the, in, the, in the world. Um, but for the most part, when we were at the church, and we also went, they did had a, a filming of, of Jesus Revolution documentary or something that happened in the 60s uh, with, with everybody, you know, was, they had this Billy Graham and everybody was running around talking about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Uh, but it was all, you know, it was all temporary. It was in the moment. You know, I think it was a Vietnam War, uh, Kennedy assassination, King, Robert, whole bunch of stuff going on in this country, the sexual revolution, the civil rights movement, uh, the feminist movement. Uh, a lot of things were happening in this country that was disturbing. And I think people were lost. You know, the CIA with the, the LSD and having all the children hooked on marijuana and cocaine and LSD and drugs. And, and everybody was doing their thing. And these young people at the time could not find the answer through the drugs and partying and the sex all over. And they were looking for something. And and Jesus was, and, and, and God and Jesus was something that they were trying to run to for refuge. They were trying to find somewhere to lay their head and feel safe. And, uh, and that was a moment. That was a moment. Um, but for the long term, a lot of people just kind of fall off because that that walk is difficult. It's a very difficult walk. And a lot of people can't withstand that walk. Um, so we went to the church and we listened. And I just, I'm, I'm, I'm very observant. I just look around. I look at, you know, the hairstyles. I look at the single moms. I see the children. I see uh, some of the males with the their hair all braided and hoodies on and and I'm seeing all the old heads like myself. We we know to take our hats off in the sanctuary, but I didn't see anybody developing the young boys on that. You know, the, the everybody had the the you know, and it was an African American church, black church, so everybody's had the plaits and the weaves and all kinds of stuff. And uh, you know, one lady she was saying, you know, I guess her husband older, he used profane language, and she told me, "Well, I'm a pastor, and he can't do that." And, and to me, that was secular because that's not. That's not the scripture. The scripture has a role for women and being a pastor and the deacons and deaconettes and whatever. And that's not that's not their role. But we'll get into that in a, in a second. But um, I found it interesting. I told my wife we were all looking at it. And my wife was like, you know, um, people just aren't serious about serving the Lord. They're just not serious about it at all. Everybody's just going through the motion. And the pastor said something about that, too, that people are playing church. You know, they're not really, 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 really trying to serve the Lord. I found that to be interesting when we went. So it didn't, when I went to church, it didn't make me feel like I, oh, wow, I want to go back to church. It was just exactly what I've said it is. It was secular. You know, it's not um, 100%. It's not standing on the scripture 100%. It just kind of glossing over it. But it was interesting. It made my mom happy. It made my sister, my my father, and it made them all happy and whatever. But it's not something that me and my wife was getting up saying, oh, we got to go to church on Sunday. We got to go to Bible study. It's, it's not that at all for us. You know, everybody's walk is a little bit different and everybody's going to serve God in their own different ways. Um, but anyway, it let me, uh, and I'm going to go all over. I'm going to go all over. So forgive me. But you know what? The Bible talks about false teachers. There's going to be false teachers in the church. People are going to pretend to serve God and they're going to lead people astray. 
They're going to be Judas goats. And the Bible talks about it. Like in, in, in Jude, for instance. If you go to Jude, okay, it's, it's, it's the book just before Revelations. And Jude starts off like this. And it's talking about fighting for, for the faith, for the kingdom of God. And Jude goes in and says, fight, contend, do battle when apostasies arise, when false teachers emerge, when the truth of God is attacked. It is time to fight for the faith. Only believers who are spiritually in shape can answer the summons. All at the beginning of this of, of the letter of Jude, uh, at the beginning of his letter, Jude focuses on the believers' common salvation, but then feels compelled to challenge them to contend for the faith, fight for the faith. The danger is real. False teachers have crept into the church, turning God's grace into a bounded license to do as they please. Jude reminds such men of God's past dealings with unbelieving Israel, disobedient angels, and wicked Sodom and Gomorrah. In the face of such danger, Christians should not be caught off guard. The challenge is great, but so is the God who is able to keep them from stumbling. The challenge is great. We got to fight for the kingdom of God. And I'm not being a preacher. I'm not a preacher. I have no desire to be a preacher. But as I see the word, I never used to use the word demonic. Okay, I never used to use that. Possession, demonic, whatever. Um, it was just kind of stuff that I kind of poo-pooed off like, yeah, okay, whatever. But the only way I can explain what I'm seeing in the world today, especially in the West, is all demonic. It's demonic. Churches are not stepping out on faith, on the scripture. Christ, pastors are being arrested. Women are being attacked for being women and saying that only women can have babies. Um, feminists are attacking women that are saying men should not play women in women's sports. It's absolutely amazing of the things that I see um, in our society. And I can only call it demonic. Um, that's all I can call it. That's it. Um, something that's been going through my mind uh, uh, for the last couple of weeks as I've been looking at the world. And um, I, I was asking myself, you know, um, in our desire to liberate women from their oppressive men, from their station in life as homemakers, as a developer of children, Developing of strong, more character and children, uh, supporters of their husbands, great homemakers, building communities up. In our pursuit to liberate women from that task that God had planned for them, what did we gain? Or better yet, what did we lose? As a society, as humanity, what did we gain or lose by liberating women from what God had already ordained as their role? You know, when when Adam, when God made Adam first and he gave Adam dominion over the earth, he told Adam, go ahead and name everything. And Adam named everything. God walked with Adam through the Garden of Eden. They were rapping. 
They broke bread together. They had a serious relationship. That was his son right there. Once everything was done, God said it's not good for Adam to be alone. So he put Adam to sleep and he removed one of his ribs and he made woman. And Adam said, one man, she is from me. Woman, womb, man, woman, womb, man. So Adam named her also. God didn't name her. Adam named her. Why? Because God had given Adam dominion over her and over everything on the planet. Right? He said, be fruitful and multiply. But he gave instructions. Do not eat off the tree of knowledge, off the tree of good and evil. He told Adam that. When both of them sat in front of God, Adam, you're responsible for Eve, and Eve knew that. When Eve left from up under the protection of Adam and wandered off on her own, the enemy was sitting there waiting for her. He knew he couldn't get Adam because Adam had already had a relationship with God. But Eve didn't quite have that relationship with God. And people are going to disagree with, with me on that, and that's okay. That's okay to disagree with me on that. Eve did not have that personal relationship with God as Adam did. So she was vulnerable and the enemy knew it. And when she ran into the enemy in that garden and he, and he touched her and he touched her and he, and he put his mark on her when he touched her, he was, he was basically claiming Eve for himself. Even though Eve did not belong to him, Eve was not created for him. Eve was created for Adam. But he slid in. He caught Adam with sleep. And he slid in. And he manipulated Eve. And ever since then, Eve has been in conflict with herself. Because the enemy told her that she would not surely die if she eat off the tree of knowledge. But she would be like God. She would know what God knows. He, he was basically telling her that she could usurp God because she would be on his level. That's what she would be. And so she went for that. She was naive and she went for that. And then Adam, so that was her transgression. And, the Adam, and, and ever since the enemy touched her and he whispered in her ear, she has been in battle. She has been in conflict with everything in her milieu, with herself, with Adam, with God, with her children, with nature, hell, with the kitchen table. She's always been, she's been in conflict. Women, my, I mean, I've talked to many women through my life. And I've had women that were completely honest and said, and I would ask, what the hell is up with women? And I would have women say to me, we're just confused, man. We don't know what we want. We say one thing, but then we don't want that. When we get it, we want something else. We're just confused. You know, my wife has said to me before, when women can't control the environment, we get violent. Women are very competitive. My wife has said that many times. Women, women have been fighting to try to usurp what God had already put asunder. Women have been trying to control Adam, reduce Adam to a level that she can control. She's been trying to jump leapfrog over Adam and be the chief, to be the head. And it's been a detriment, not only to her, not only to the world, but to Adam. It's been a detriment 
because Adam has to fight her off all the time. You know, so the question that I ask is this, I'm having a conversation with you, is that what did we gain as a people, as a society, when we supposedly liberated women from their stage in life? What did we gain from the suffrage movement? What did we gain from the 19th Amendment? What do we gain from Title IX in our society? What do we gain? I mean, if we was the idea to liberate women from being mothers, strong mothers, strong supporter of their husbands, great home builders, that we liberate them from that to become CEO of, CEOs of corporations, to be dignitaries, to be senators, congressmen, possibly presidents, that we liberate them so they can have a thousand degrees on the wall and be sitting on a magazine as a woman of the year? Did we liberate them so they can compete with men and and do the things that men do? What did we what did, did we liberate them? Did we outsource her responsibility to other people just so she can have a plaque on the wall that says she was the C, the, the the best CFO or the best salesman of the year? Is that what we did? I mean, because basically what we did is we liberated her from being a great mother. So what we did is we outsourced. What we did was we said, we're going to liberate you from rearing your own children so you can outsource your children to daycare. You can outsource them to Head Start. You can outsource them to elementary school. You can outsource them to, you know, kindergarten. You can outsource them to ju ju junior high, high school. Okay. You can outsource your children. It's okay. So you can be your best self as the CEO or the entrepreneur or the congressman or the or the the person that's sitting on city council or the head of the school board you know we're going to we're going to you can outsource your responsibility so you can go out here and be the best you and be that corporate CEO and you can have all the the fancy clothes, the big house, the cars, the money, the jewelry, you can go on vacations, you can have the private jets we're, we're, we're saving you from being that great homemaker that God had planned for you to do. All right. We liberated women from being a great wife. 80% of divorces are filed by women. Okay. We liberated them from their husbands. So now they're divorcing them. All right. Abortions. We've limit. We are liberating women so much. We, we're so we're we're, we're so uh, geared up for liberating women that we're telling women that you can execute sixty three plus million babies in fifty years, so you can live your true self. We're liberating women so much that they're in same sex relationships and beating the crap out of each other in domestic violence. Cannot stay in a relationship. They're all over. Okay? They're not stable. 40% of women are on psychiatric, medic psychiatric medication. This is what we liberated women to. We liberated them to that. We liberated them so much that they're freezing their eggs so they won't get pregnant early 
And so maybe when they decide to get have a baby, they can unfreeze the eggs and have somebody uh, inseminate the eggs and whatever. We liber we liberated them so much that they can be R&B singers, rappers, country singers. You know, they can be movie stars. They can have they they don't need a man. We've liberated them so much that they they don't even know where they're going now. We've liberated women so much that they're supporting the LGBTQIA and trans movement. Okay? We liberated them so much that they're social justice warriors. They're trying to kill every man on the planet. This is what we did. What did we liberate women to? What did we actually do for women? As a society, how did we benefit from women voting? How do we benefit from Title IX? I can tell you what Title IX did. It just wiped out men's sports and propped up women's sports. So as women are saying that they were being discriminated against, now they discriminate against the men. Why? For diversity, equity, inclusion. Okay? So what did we gain as a society by liberate, liberating women from what God had, 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 had as their uh, responsibility? We all play a role. We all have a role. See, Adam wasn't better than Eve. They had two different roles that God had planned for them. They had two different roles. I'm not better than my wife. We just have two different roles that God has planned for us. You get me? We got 80% of single family homes today. Primarily women. Because we had to limit, liber we had to liberate women from their husbands. And now the state took over as the husband. And we see how that's worked out. Right? For us. We see how that's worked out for us. Okay? Just trying to get you to understand. That's a question that was in my mind as I look at the world. You know, in our pursuit to liberate women, what did we gain? Better yet, what did we lose as a culture? Did we get better? Did we get better? Did the workplace get better? Let's talk about the workplace. When the men were in the workplace and the women were at home back in the day, the men could be men. They could talk any kind of way they wanted to. If they wanted to talk about sex, if they wanted to talk about this. And men, what we do, we talk about sex. We talk about sports. We talk about all kinds of things, right? But in the pursuit to, limit, to, to, to liberate women from their responsibility as homemakers, we inserted them into the workplace with men. Okay, how did that work out for us? Well, we got a human resource department. Well, now the rules got to change because now the women have become a protected class, a protected sex in the workplace from men. So now everything is sexual harassment. So now the men can't be men anymore. They can't be, they can't talk or do the things that they normally do. Why? Because now women are in the environment. And now we got to, as a society, we got to protect women from what? From a man saying, hey, you got a nice, I like your bl your blouse. Oh, I feel offended because he liked my blouse. That means he's looking at my breast. Yo, she going to go to human resource and say, I feel threatened. Well, what did John do? Well, he looked at me a little bit too hard at my chest. He said I had a nice blouse on okay now we got to fire john now we got to have a meeting you know now we got to talk about safe spaces for women the men now are walking on pins and needles or eggshells in the workplace 
because we had to liberate women and we had to have diversity, equity, inclusion. Now the men are getting fired and terminated because of sexual harassment. And the guy just basically said, you had a nice dress or you had nice shoes, or I like your fingernails, or I like your hair, or I like the way your, your perfume smells. Okay, I understand if a guy gropes a woman and touches her behind or brass or rub her, I can understand that. We can't have that kind of behavior on the job, but women do the same thing. I'm telling you from experience. I can't even tell you the number of times women have walked up and rubbed me on my behind or rubbed me in a way to suggest stuff that as a man, I could not get away with. No man is going to go to human resources and say, well, she grabbed me by my behind. She grabbed my, my butt. She rubbed me there. She rubbed up against me. Because we don't think like that. We're like, yeah, okay, what's up? What you want to do? But women pick and choose. You know, they change the rules. You know, depending on what day of the week it is. You know, if she's in a bad mood, all of a sudden what you guys been normally doing is not, she's not acceptable. She's going to human resources. Because she just ain't in the mood today. I tell you, women have been in conflict with themselves ever since the enemy touched Eve in the Garden of Eden. That makes her in conflict with everything around her. Everything in her milieu. Everything. She's going to always be in, uh, she's going to always have that struggle. So again, like I said, how did the workplace get better by having women in it? For men. For men, how did it get better? It didn't. It became toxic for men, scary for men, all right? So again, by us liberating women from their homes, how did our society get better? How did it get better? Are, are, are our children better? Or do they have better more compasses? Are our girls not getting pregnant? Are our boys out of jail? I mean, how did our society get better by bringing, by saying the state, by us, you know, outsourcing our, the, the woman outsource, outsourcing her responsibility? How about cooking? How about the diet of the family? Are we healthier? Because right now we're, we're probably in the West, we're probably the most obese out of everybody because everybody's eating fast food. I deliver Grubhub and DoorDash, and I'm telling you, I deliver to a lot of single moms. <laughs> okay so again how did we get better by liberating women how did the 19th amendment make us better as a culture how did title 9 make us better how did having a woman as a senator a, a prime minister a president a head of a department how did it make us better by her not being a homemaker women who say they want to be homemakers today in the west are looked upon by women that, that call themselves feminists as the worst thing in the world. How dare you want to serve a man? How dare you want to take care of your children? How dare you want to do stuff like that? Don't you want to be a corporate CEO making millions of dollars and telling men that, that we don't need you until she gets 45 and she has a big house and a lot of cats and dogs and nobody laying in the bed at her at night? Then that whole thing changes. Okay. We did not do ourselves any justice by liberating women from their responsibility that God had laid out. Right now, we got women standing in the pulpit calling themselves pastors. Totally against scripture. Totally against scripture. And scripture talks about when women are at the head 
in a community, in a nation, how it becomes weaker. We liberated women into our military. It made our military, the moment we allowed women in our military, I'm sorry, I hate to say this to all the military, military women out there, uh, but the moment women were allowed to serve in our military, it instantly weakened our military. It instantly weakened it. The moment we put a woman in an officer position, gave her a star and called her a colonel or called her an admiral or whatever, it weakened our military. It weakened our military. Look at our military, especially in the United States right now. These guys can't even run 10 miles, 20 miles. They can't do push-ups. They can't do sit-ups. It's all about pronouns now. It used to be. Now, we know that was sodomy going on in the military, in the military academies. If you don't know that, newsflash. But there was no open homosexuality in the military. Everything was on the DL. Now, it is open and wide open in our military. Homosexuality is wide open in our military. Everybody's got purple hair. Everybody's overweight. Nobody's worth two cents. Can't read, write, and spell worth hell and sensitive as hell because we allow women into our military. Okay? I'm sorry. I know there's a lot of smart women out there. I know, I mean, hell, I've had women as my supervisors before. Very smart. But there's, but I noticed the difference between a woman. I've even had a, a, a lesbian, really nice woman. She was in a same-sex relationship. Very, very smart. Smart as hell, right? That woman pushed me to get better, all right? I had women as my supervisors, directors, at when I worked at the hospital. Very nice women, very smart. And then I had men as my supervisor. Two different worlds. Men think differently. Men are more disciplined. They're more straightforward. They ain't all about that feel-good stuff. They ain't trying to throw no parties and get your gifts and everybody going to be warm and fuzzy. The women were like that. My supervisor women, they were way too soft. The men, we didn't play that. Men's supervisors are totally different. They're hard. They set the expectation and they don't play around. They set the standard. Women are too great in their personality. All right, they're too great. And I see a lot of women in a lot of leadership positions in a lot of restaurants. And I tell you right now, man, it is totally, you can tell when the environment is ran by men versus women. Now, there's a lot of tough women out there. Loud voices, tough. But they cannot lead like men can. Men were built to lead outside of the home. We were built for that stuff. We were built for war. We were expendable. We were built for that kind of stuff not women. Our women should never be in wars. We should never have our women in wars. It should always be men. We are the front line to protect the women. Why? Because she brings the babies into the world and the enemy knows that. He knows that. That's why he had to confuse Eve because he knows that Eve was marked by the enemy. That means her road to having a relationship with God was very, very difficult. The closest that she was going to come to God in a relationship, having a relationship, was through her pregnancy, was through her giving babies. 
She was going to be saved through bringing babies into the world. The scripture talks about that. She was, by her giving life, by her bringing babies through the world out of her body, that was, that was the closest to God as a relationship she was going to get. A baby is the purest and the most innocent thing that ever will walk on the face of this earth, be on this earth, coming out of the womb. It is, it's God, that's God incarnate right there in the flesh the breath the eyes the skin that's god and that was her responsibility to bring those babies into the world that was her gift to god that was her penance that was her and she had to go through that pain because of the what 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 transgression that eve had done adam's curse was he had to now work for a living God didn't plan for him to have to till the land and plant seeds and all that kind of mess. It was already set up for him. All he had to do was be fruitful, multiply, and eat, and do God's will, and that's it, and everything would have been hunky-dory. But Eve, as restless as she is, and all over, as women are, this is what got us in trouble, okay? So I ask you guys again, what do we gain by having women being liberated from their responsibility that God had set forth for her? And look at the psychiatric medication, 40% of women. Look at men. Men now have no idea what to do. A lot of these guys are committing suicide because they don't have a role. Women have castrated men to the point that they're like bulls with rings in their noses being led around because these guys don't know how to be alphas. And if a woman meets a guy that's an alpha, it's called toxic masculinity. She wants to castrate and control the guy. That's what Eve does. She wants to control Adam so she won't have any opposition to what she's doing. And then she gets mad because he's obedient. She can control them. So it's like, what do you want? You want the alpha or you want the beta? You created what you want. You said you wanted. And now you don't like it. And now when you meet the guy who's an alpha, now you feel threatened. Okay? So again, in our society, when I look at it today, I look at us putting women above men, and the Bible totally speaks against that. Right? The more women that are in leadership position, the weaker your nation and your community will be. And your men become weaker when women are in charge. I'm not the, listen, I didn't write the mail, guys. I'm just going right off of scripture. I'm delivering the mail. And, and a lot of people are going to be upset with me over it. And they're going to be like, oh, he's a misogynist. He's a male chauvinist. No, I don't hate women. That's what misogyny means. I don't hate women. I love women. I want, my, but my job is to protect women, even if I have to protect them from themselves. I'm not suggesting that women, you know, hey, everybody stop working and go back in the house and raise these strong, these strong more children that's not going to come home and say, I'm LGBTQ, I'm trans, I'm, I'm binary, I'm all this crazy stuff with purple hair and a whole bunch of piercings and tattoos all over their bodies. Why would I suggest something like that, right? Because our girls are walking around here right now looking like harlots 
They got tattoos on their legs, face, head, piercing in every part of their bodies, sleeping with everybody under the sun. Dirty, not wifey material whatsoever, cannot stand and stay in a relationship to save their lives. <laughs> you know, so why would I even suggest to women, oh, go back and start raising, developing your own children. Start developing your own children. Start developing children of, uh, uh, so they can have more, have a have a strong moral compass. Why would I? Why would I even suggest something like that? You know, you think that might help our community and in our world right now as it is? You think that might help because our children right now are under attack. They're getting, I mean, they're getting murdered right now. Twenty five percent. You had from nineteen forty five at the end of World War Two. All the way up to 2022, you had 1.7 of the population uh, identifying as LGBTQ. Today, you got over 20% of the population saying that they're LGBT uh, in the LGBTQIA+, and 25% of Gen Zs. All right? How did that happen? Well, we changed the role of the mom. We told mom that she no longer had to be a mother. We changed her role. We changed her. We told her she didn't need her man. She can be a single mom. She's got it. The state's going to do it. And look what's happening to our children today. Our children are not, I mean, I feel bad for them because they have no idea what's going on. They're talking about socialism and communism and how bad capitalism is. I mean, there is nothing. Listen, these children are enjoying a type of life that nobody else on the planet is enjoying in the United States of America. Women right now are enjoying a type of life that if, if it wasn't for men, they wouldn't be enjoying it. There's not a skyscraper that one woman had built. There's nobody cleaning those, those 50 storage windows so a woman can sit behind a computer and look out at the sun no woman's doing that no woman's going under the ground and putting plumbing in no woman's putting sewage lines in no woman's out there building bridges or building roads no one the computer that a woman is on a man created every single component in it everything that she has in her life is because of men and yet they keep saying they're just as good as men Every single thing that women are enjoying in this world is because of a man. Period. End of discussion, case closed. In this, you might have a few women that's out there doing, you know, doing a man's job, but it ain't pretty because physically they're not capable and they will break down a lot faster than a man because they're just not built for that physical lifestyle. That's not the way God designed them. That's not the way he designed them. But again, the women wanted to vote. They wanted that 19th Amendment and they wanted that Title IX and they wanted all this feminism and this sexual revolution. They wanted the civil rights movement so they can feel, so they can have diversity, equity, and inclusion. But they're not bringing anything to the table. They're killing their babies. That was the one thing they brought to the table. Something that men could not do that God had blessed them with. And they blew it. They blew it. You understand? Now I know I'm just going, I'm just rambling on here. Forgive me. I know I'm just rambling on. 
But I want you to understand, I don't know if you guys ever heard of the institute called the Tavistock Institute. Now, you probably heard of it a little bit when they had it had the uh, the 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 care affirming center closed down in the UK when they found out what they were how they were butchering the children in these clinics, in these care affirming uh, clinics that we've gone from three of them and 10 years ago to now over 400 in the United States and over a thousand over the world to sit up there and dissect and experiment on children and cut off breasts and cut off penises and all kinds of stuff. So everybody can feel good about themselves. That all came, listen, the foundation for all of this stuff is the feminist movement. It's the suffrage movement. It's the sexual revolution. It's the civil rights movement. That's the foundation. All this diversity, inclusion, and uh, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion stuff, all that mess started in like the mid-50s. This is why we have all this stuff going on today. Because every, people were talking about equal outcomes. No such thing as no equal outcomes. You're crazy. It doesn't exist. It would never exist. And you can't force it. And when you force it, this is what you have today. All right? Let me give you a little bit on the Tavistock Institute. Okay, this is in my book, uh, The World Order, The Secret Rulers, and a study of hegemony and, par and parasitism. And I talked about it a little bit before, you know, and I go over my books. I got a sticker highlighted all over the place. And every time I get to a section, I have to stop and I have to chew on. I have the, I have a whole book on the Tavistock Institute. Okay, if you don't know about the Tavistock Institute, you should know about the Tavistock Institute because it's the institution that was developed right after World War One that started that process of psychological warfare to start. Now, we can go back to Horace Mann and Dewey when they set up, when Horace Mann them set up the compulsory indoctrination camp, which we call school because he brought that Prussian system over here to get people, we don't want any thinkers, we just wanted automatons in our society. We didn't want thinkers. And we don't have any thinkers today. Anything that's coming out of a compulsory uh, indoctrination camp, whether it's private schools or public schools, or any universities, they're all automatons. There's no critical thinking. These American people aren't developed to think. They started that process in the, in the mid-1800s early 1900s they started that process and keep in mind i was born in 1963 okay so that process was going on already for about two three almost four generations and now nobody has any critical thinking they can't think worth two cent worth outside of being entertained but let me go over this a little bit and bear with me by the tavistock institute and I'm going to probably skip around because I don't think I need to go over all uh, all of it. But the Tavistock Institute, let, matter of fact, let me go into this. Let me, let me start right here. Okay. The English control of the world movement is demonstrated by the ideology of American foundations, which is created by the Tavistock Institute of Human Relations in London. In 1921, the Duke of Bedford, Marcus of Tavistock, the 11th Duke gave a building to the Institute to study the effects of shell shock on British soldiers who survived World War I. 
His purpose was to establish the was to establish the breaking point of men under stress under the direction of the British Army Bureau of Psychological Warfare, commanded by Sir John Roland Reese. Okay, but uh, Sir John Roland Reese. Okay, Tavistock Institute is headquartered in London because it's because its prophet Sigmund Freud settled here in uh, Marfield Garden, Marfield Garden, when he moved to London. He was given a mansion by Princess Bonaparte. Tavistock pioneers work in behavior science belong uh, along the Freudian line of controlling humans, establish it as a world center for of found of of the world center of foundation ideology its network now extends from the university of sussex to the u.s through stanford research institute esalen mit hudson institute heritage foundation the center of strategic and international studies at georgetown where the state department personnels are trained U.S. Air Force Intelligence and the Rand and Merit Corporation. The personnel of of the of foundations are required to undergo indoctrination at one or more of these Tavistock Control Institutions, a network of secret groups that Mount Perlerin Society, the Trilateral Commission, the Ditchley Foundation, and the Club of Rome is conduit for instructions to the Tavistock network. Okay, you see how deep this thing is going. Okay. Um the Tav I'm gonna go over here. The Tavistock Institute originated the mass civilian bombing raid carried out by Roosevelt and Churchill purely as a clinical experiment in mass terror, keeping records of the results as they watched the guinea pigs reacting under controlled laboratory conditions. All Tavistock and American Foundation's techniques have a single goal, to break down the psychological strength of individuals and render him helpless to oppose the dictators of the world order. Any technique which helps to break down the family unit and the family inculcated principles of religion, honor, patriotism, and sexual behavior is used by the Tavistock scientists as weapons of crowd control. The methods, of, the method of Freudian psychotherapy, induce, induces permanent mental illness in those who turn the page, undergo this treatment. By destabilizing their character, the victim is then advised to establish new rituals of personal interactions. That is, that is to induce, to indulge in brief sexual encounters, which actually, which actually sets the participants adrift with no stable personal relationships in their lives, destroying their ability to establish or maintain a family. <laughs> okay, so now you understand why we all over the place. Okay, this was all strategic. This is why we can't stay in families. This is why 80% of divorces are filed by women. Okay? 
destabilize the character. That's what they wanted to do. And then, then uh, 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 induce them, get them to indulge in brief sexual encounters. Why would they want to do that? Because sex is key to the emotional stability of human beings. And once we indulge in sex, the once we start having sex outside of marriage, we start fornicating, we move further away from God and closer to the enemy. See, that came to me when I was thinking about it this morning. You know, the more we have sex outside of marriage, the further away from God we are moving and we're moving closer to a relationship with the enemy. We become numb. There's no more emotions there. That's why God didn't want us to have sex outside of marriage. That's why the Bible talks against fornication. And trust me, you become numb. It just becomes an orgasm. And that's it. There's no emotional connection. And the more partners you have, the duller you become, the less human you are. And that rolls off of your shoulders onto your children's shoulders. Because now the children are seeing mommy with this partner, that partner, this partner, that partner, this partner. Dad's got a new girlfriend, another girlfriend, a new girlfriend. And we all having babies by all these different people. What kind of example does that set for the children? A very negative one. It sets them on a path of you destabilizing your children and they will never have any stability in their life no matter what it is on their jobs, with their friends, with in relationships, they will never be stable in their mind. That's why so many people are going to psychiatrists trying to get medication. They're, they're looking for stability. That's why you had the Jesus revolution in the 60s because all the young people, they were destable. Think about it. They talked about 1921. The Tavistock Institute was, trying, was doing this stuff. So by the time you got to the 60s, Everybody was demoralized. There was no stability. That's why everybody was running around here trying to find God, trying to find Jesus, smoking marijuana, doing LSD, all kinds of stuff. Because they, they there was no stability. They were destabilized. And it was all, and it was, and it was all Tavistock Institute and all their subsidiaries to destroy their ability to destroy their ability to establish and maintain families. Family is the enemy to Marxists. That family is the enemy of the enemy. The, it, it, the enemy hates the family. Why? Because it represents God. It represents him. It represents his rules and his regulations. And they don't want that. The enemy doesn't want that. So if I can destabilize you from that, then guess what? Guess what? You'll never be able to have a family. You'll never be able to. And a family, that honors God. That honors God when you have a family. That honors God when you are married. When a man marries a woman and they have a family, that honors God. You are honoring God when you do that. When you are a single mom, you are not honoring God. You are a single dad, you are not honoring God. Now, I understand that people may be in a relationship and one of the spouse might get sick and die. Exceptional. Okay, that's an, we, can, we, can take, we can take that one. But for the most part, we know that's not happening, guys. We know that's not. You can't go to church and look at God and say, God, I know you love me. And you say you will always love me. And he said, yeah, I love you. But there's a but. 
There's a but there. You knew what you weren't supposed to do. You were told not to do it. You did it anyway. There will be consequences. You won't get out of that. You won't get a pass. None of us are going to get a pass. I'm not going to get a pass. You're not going to get a pass. None of us are going to get a pass. Those are the facts. We will be held accountable for our transgressions <laughs> at the end days. We will be. So we might as well suck it up buttercup because here it comes. It's coming. But um, let me go on here. This was a one. This was this one right here. This one right here. Now, everybody thinks of the civil rights movement, the Brown versus the Board of Education, 1954, integration was a great thing. I've often said, if you listen to my podcast, it was a detriment. It destroyed the black community when we integrated. But let me tell you, let me show you something. It was a setup. Here's the Tavistock Institute. The experiment of compulsory racial integration in the United States was organized by Ronald Lippert of the OSS and the American Jewish Congress and directed and, and director of child training at the Commission on Community Relations. The program was designed to break down the individual's sense of personal knowledge in his identity, his racial heritage, through the Stanford Research Institute. Tavistock controlled the National Education Association, the, uh, the, institution, the Institute of Social Research at the National Training Lab, at the National Training Lab, brainwashes the leading executive of businesses and governments. Okay, let me go back over that again because I think I kind of butchered that one a little bit. Okay, the experiment in compulsory racial integration in the United States was organized by Ronald Lippert of the OSS and the American Jewish Congress and director of child training at the Commission on Community Relations. The program was designed to break down the individual's sense of personal knowledge in his identity, his racial heritage. Through the Stanford Research Institute, Tavistock controls the National Education Association, the Institute of Social Research at the National Training Lab, brainwashes the leading executives of businesses and governments. Okay, so I'm letting you know what this whole thing about integration came from, and you can see it today. Nobody knows their identity, especially the black community, has no idea who they are, what their identity, they're going along with every fad that's out there. Everybody's wearing the weave, people think they're Egyptians, people think they're original Israelites, people think we're, I, the, six, the, nine, the, 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 the 1619 Project, uh, uh, Black Lives Matter, Critical Race Theory, all of this stuff was all set up to break down, break you down so you have no idea who you are and where you come from and your identity. So all of this stuff that everybody's running around here saying, it's all been planted inside. It's already been there. You're basically regurgitating the words of your oppressors. Okay? You've been brainwashed. You've been brainwashed. And every single um, uh, a politician... A person that's that we see on television, you know, Joe Biden's, uh, 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 Barack Obama's, the Clintons, the the Bushes, the four, they all had to go through the Tavistock indoctrination camp before they can be get in front of us. Your military, 
Air Force, Army, Navy, all your top brass had to go through it. Every, all your top brass, top executives and businesses, all had to go through it because they had to follow the script by the Tavistock Institute that's probably owned by the bankers, the Bank of England. Okay? So, these are the things that, you know, I'm constantly learning. I'm going through in my mind. I'm Every day, you know, I do a bad job because I, I so much stuff comes through my head. I should have my recorder on almost 24-7. Because so many things are going through. I was I was I was listening to Nietzsche's uh, um, book on um, Beyond Good and Evil, and 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 he was breaking down some stuff about the women. He was he was breaking down things that I was thinking about, and this man thought about it, and he went crazy. Rousseau, a lot of these guys went crazy because the more they peeled back the layers of humanity and spirituality, good and evil. The, the, the minds couldn't take it and these guys broke down and I understand that because sometimes I'm just like I can't handle this the more I the peel back something the more chilling it is you know I, I don't want to I hate to be that guy that's constantly bringing bad news bringing negative messages um, bringing warnings uh, trying to wake people up, but I can't sit there and sugarcoat it and, and make everything, you know, rainbows. We see what the rainbow is all about, right? Where everybody right now has got trans flags and rainbow flags. In, in the West, it's like it's a badge of honor now. People don't know their identity. They don't know who they are. That's why they're jumping on all these fads. That's why they're jumping on all this stuff. That's why men are saying that they're women and want to compete against women. This is why women are sleeping with women and men are sleeping with men and because they, they have no identity. They don't know who they are. They don't know who they are. This is why they're walking around in this stuff and wrap, wrapping themselves in, 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 in rainbow flags. This is why when you walk into church, especially a black church, everybody's got weave and, and braids hanging all the way down. And you got a pastor on the stage and he has weave in his head telling you God loves you. This is why you got Osteen and all these guys saying God loves you because it's confusing. They're not telling you the truth. God loves you, but there's a but. You, he's not, you're not going to get away from it. You can't say God loves me and still wallop in, in your sin. You can't serve two masters. And he's not going to let you. He's not going to let you. So, um, you know, I know I'm all over. I know I'm ranting right now. I know I'm, you know, um, but, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, if, if anybody can find any value in what I'm saying, I know I sound like a crazy man at times. You know, sometimes I just got to stay away. Sometimes I just got to just, you know, go into a world to just breathe, you know? Sometimes you feel I feel like Neo, you know, when he when when Morpheus was talking to him and said, "This is the real world." And he threw up and the guy said, "He's going to pop." You know, that's what I feel sometimes. I feel like I'm about to just throw up because um I'm fearful, you know, I'm fearful for humanity. Um, 
I see what the enemy's trying to do. He's trying to keep, you know, like King Herod, Herod, Herod or King Herod in the Bible. Um, I want to say King Herod, but King Herod in the Bible when he went to kill all the um, the firstborn children because of the prophet of Jesus coming. And I feel like the enemy feels like if he can kill as many children as he can, that maybe he can prolong his existence on this planet and slow up the return of Jesus, the son of God. And he already know the deal. He know he can't do that. That's never going to happen. He knows that. But we got to suffer. We got to suffer before God comes, before Jesus comes. We got to suffer. You know, and I think right now we're in the last days. I mean, I like I said before, I never used to think about demonic spirits and that stuff was real and whatever, but I do now. You know, but that's the only way I can explain it. You know, I, I you know, how can you, ra- the, oh, that's the only way I can rationalize this stuff. Is that when, <laughs> when I look at all around me and I look at everything, I'm like, and I have grandbabies. I have Two, two boys and two girls. Um, what kind of world did, did they come into? What did, what kind of world did they come into? It's, you know, and, and, I've, and I've said to you guys before, you know, you guys need to pull your children out of these schools because if not, they're going to come home saying they're LGBTQ or they're trans and they want a double mastectomy and they want bottom surgeries. You know, and you're going to be told you got to affirm, affirm them. Yeah, I could talk about cryptocurrency again, and I could talk about the uh, Twitter files, and I can talk about the IRS showing up at, 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 at Matt Taibbi's house, and I can talk about all that other dumb stuff. That's a distraction. All these committees is a distraction. Right now, guys, we need to, we need to really battle right now whether whether you you know whether you are atheist or not whether you're a christian or not whether you are muslim or not you know whether you study judaism or not this is affect this going this affecting all of us i don't care where you are in your life and what you think you believe in this is where we are and it's going to take all of us plus divine intervention to 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 make some type of dent because the feminists right now, um, with this craziness going on and, and convincing women that men are enemies and, and they need to kill their babies, this seems like they've won the day for right now anyway. But it was all the enemy. And I told you the sexual revolution, the, the feminist movement and the civil rights movement ushered in this mess. The communists movement it ushered in all of this and we we've pitted we've pitted women against their children when women should be protecting their children they're destroying their babies so they can live their their true selves or their their real lives or whatever <laughs> so they won't have any responsibility outside of their dogs and their cats you know my dog is my baby my cat is my baby it's my family you know I mean, if it's got four legs on it, a horse, a dog, a cat, a, a, a pig, a, a, a sheep or a goat, they will fight like hell to protect that fucking animal. 
But when it comes down to a two-legged, when it comes down to a human being, they'll throw it away. They'll execute it. They'll slit his throat. They'll burn it. They'll yank the, 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 the arms and stuff out of the belly so they can be liberated from that responsibility of developing another human being. They will much rather develop a four-legged animal that has a lifespan of maybe seven years, horse maybe 30, than to raise a human being that would love and appreciate God and, you know, everybody and everything in it. Yeah, we, we, I, 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 we've, we've been warped. You know, we've been, you know, men have been castrated and women have been, uh, 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 Women have been naive and they have been uh, uh, tricked by the enemy. And women are in battle with themselves. And they always have been. And they will be until the end days. So, um, that was just, I know that was a lot. I know it was a lot, but um, I think on this podcast, I am going to say, what did we, I'm going to name this, what did we gain and what did we lose by liberating women? From their responsibilities as homemakers, I think that's what I'm gonna name the podcast. Because at first I didn't know what I was gonna name it. I think that's gonna be it. But anyway, uh, don't forget to support the Old Dog Soapbox podcast. Uh, don't forget to go to my Spring store. I haven't posted anything in a while because I just been working. You know, I just been working, trying to catch everything up. Um, you know, just trying to make sure that the mortgage paid, the bills are paid. You know, you fall behind when you're trying to work on projects and things like that and I was pretty stubborn because I was trying to get you know t-shirts and mugs and things sold and get things going and it wasn't generating anything and fell behind and my wife was stressed out so um I had to get I had to be, do my manly duties <laughs> and I had to get out there and get to working I had to handle my responsibility that God had put for myself put on me so I had to do that so um but I'm definitely going to get back on it and I'm gonna start plugging some things in um and um, hopefully, you know, you guys buy some stickers or something, you know, anything, put on your cars or whatever, um, and let people know about the podcast. But anyway, don't forget uh, the old dog soapbox uh, uh, dash creator dot dot dash creator uh, dash creator dot spring creator dash spring dot com. I got it all mixed up. My mind is right now shutting down. Uh, but you've heard me say it a hundred times before. Uh, but anyway, uh, you guys be safe. Uh, take care of your families. Like I said before, if you have any issues with anybody in your family, smash it. Okay? Uh, if you got daddy issues, get rid of them. Because that's what the enemy wants you to do is have daddy issues. If you got mommy issues, get rid of them. Right? Because your parents are going to be here for a short amount of time. I mean, I'm getting ready to lose my father. You know, I mean, everything we've tried, you know, for him... Um, I mean, he's, he's literally skin and bones. Um, we didn't see this one coming. Um, this guy was healthy. He's like an ox. Um, I mean, there was no signs there. There was nothing there that indicated that he something was wrong. He was sick. There was nothing. This is what I'm, this is the, the confusion. And I know I'm, I'm going off, I apologize. But it's, I don't know if anybody out there has, has faced this or facing this to where you have a member of your family, they look healthy, they're not sick, they're not, no running nose, no COVID, no nothing, and all of a sudden, boom, they got cancer, and in 90 days, they're out. 
is just the damnest thing in the world, man. And this whole thing has made me kind of um, appreciate the short life that we have and not taking uh, anything for granted anymore. Not taking anything for granted. But anyway, um, you guys be safe. Hug your families. Um, pray for me and my family, and I'm praying for you and your family, okay? Um, and, and God bless you, and and stay safe, and I'll talk to you on the next episode of the Old Dog Soapbox Podcast. This is your host, Norman Goodman, signing out. <laughs>